Hello, and welcome to Project Zion Podcast. This is your host, Robin Linkhart, and today our guest is Joelle White, who was recently set apart as a president of 70 in Community of Christ. Hey, Joelle, welcome. Hello, thanks so much for having me. It's great to have you with us today. Well, I would love it if you would take a minute to introduce yourself to our listeners. Well, as you have already mentioned, my name is Joelle, and I was recently set apart as a president of 70. But kind of the more basic stuff about me is that I currently live in Washington, D.C., where I work for the Chesapeake Bay Mission Center and Community of Christ. Um, I live there with my six and a half pound dog who just joined us for this PZP recording. I hope that she'll stay quiet as we as we share. Can you tell us a little bit about your family and how long you've worked for the church as an employed minister? Yeah, so uh, I, I am the youngest of six children. I grew up um, as the baby of the family, which was wonderful. And, uh, you know, I have three older brothers and two older sisters, and I I loved being the baby. It was great. Um, I'm also the daughter of uh, a former church appointee. He has since retired, but I was raised um, by a, a father who worked for the church, uh, and my mother, although Uh, not employed by the church, has always worked for the cause of Zion and whatever she was doing. Um, I have been employed by Community of Christ for, I think, uh, coming up on five years this October. So uh, just a handful of years, although I have been engaged with Community of Christ from the time I was born. So let's go a little bit deeper about that. So I'm assuming you were born into the church. We'd like to hear like your growing up years and what life was like for you and your family and anything that you want to share about that part of your life. Yeah. You know, that's a really interesting question specifically as as I share the answer on uh, a kind of church-related podcast, because for me, Community of Christ has always been woven into my life uh, in different ways. It's it's always kind of been, at least in the background, uh, a daily part of my life. I, I didn't really know um, life apart from it. And that's because I grew up in Blue Springs, Missouri, which is just 20 minutes away from the World Church headquarters. And so on weekends, we'd attend different church events and, and things like that. So for me, the norm was kind of um, swimming in a community of Christ space. Um, that being said, I also, you know, did non-church things uh, as, as I was growing up. So I played a lot of sports. I played softball. I grew up with brothers who were very into sports. Um, and so I was, was willing to try any of those things. Uh, I also debated in high school. That was a big part of my life. You mentioned that your dad is an appointee minister, recently retired. Did that appointment ministry mean that your family traveled with him? To a certain extent, Yes. 
when I was growing up, I, I would have the opportunity to go to various reunions with him throughout the United States. And so, yes, there were times when we would travel with him. But that also meant in times when we couldn't travel, whether it was because, you know, we had school or other things going on, that meant that he was away from from the home um, doing some of that church work. So I, I remember kind of this balance of sometimes being able to go along with him, but also sometimes having to send him out um, and, and being at home waiting for him to come back. So um, you talked a little bit about your growing up time, and uh, it sounds like in debate, you were in high school in debate. Anything else in high school that comes to mind to you? Well, I played a softball through high school. So that one wow. is another one that took up a lot of my time. But that's also kind of when I started to own personal ministry. Uh, I had, you know, been been involved in church growing up, but I hadn't really taken on uh, self. And so in high school, I started working with uh, this after school kids program that my mission center did, um, where we would kind of you know, have fun activities and snacks and games and and build relationship and talk about peace and other important things like that. And so um, the first time that I really engaged in that type of thing was probably when I was a freshman or sophomore in high school. So tell us a little bit about your personal journey with God and faith. As a child, and then, as you say, you kind of got into a ministry expression of that faith in high school. Yeah, so I think that growing up, there was there was never really a question about my involvement with faith, not because my parents forced it on me or anything like that, but just because it was uh, such... Uh, an important part of our community and our lives. So the congregation that I went to, you know, knew me from the time that I was a a baby. My grandparents went there as well. So it also had some kind of family connections. And so um, it was never something that I really questioned or, or thought about alternatives to. It was just something that I did. That being said, I, I also kind of had some freedom to pursue other things. So I remember there was a, a big chunk of my life where softball games meant that I didn't make it to church every Sunday. And so even though there wasn't that, you know, weekly check-in, that weekly time where I would go to the congregation and and be part of the worship services, there were still other ways that my parents kind of incorporated faith into our lives. So growing up, we would have a nightly prayer time as a family where we'd get together and, and mostly my sister and I as the two youngest would just be trying to make everybody laugh the whole time. But it was, it's always a fond memory to look back on those prayer times and the ways that we were able to share with one another. And so, you know, they, they did things like that, like having prayer time or um, my, my mom started on, on the sidelines of my softball games. Uh, I forget exactly what she called it, but it was uh, the, a group of moms that would get together. And when one of us was having just a really bad streak in the batter's box, not able to hit anything, they would pray for us every time we went up. And and so, you know, they that taught me that church doesn't have to happen inside a building. And it's not just an hour and a half uh, on, on a Sunday morning. Uh, faith is something that is woven into your daily. It's um, something that you interact with when, whenever you can. Uh, so like I said, it wasn't really something that I ever or thought that there was an alternative to. 
And so then when I got into high school is, is when I really started questioning, well, what does this mean to me personally? How is this lived out for me personally? And that's when I started kind of engaging with some of those other opportunities outside of the things that my parents were doing and inviting me to do, um, things that I just did on my own or um, found ways to connect with on my own. Okay, I think that takes us up through high school, Joelle, and we're ready for your college years. So tell us about college and maybe a little bit in, into uh, launching into a career. Yeah, so I attended Graceland University for college, and Graceland University is affiliated, I guess you could say, with Community of Christ. So when I went there, there were other Community of Christ students also attending Graceland with me. We were by no means the majority. There were just a handful of us that actively engaged in uh, campus ministries and, and things of that nature. But it was nice to be able to go to a college that had association with Community of Christ. So I attended Graceland University in Lamoni, Iowa. Lamoni, Iowa is a very small town was just a perfect fit for me. I loved it. Graceland didn't have a ton of students, which was also a good fit for me. While I was there, I decided to pursue a degree in elementary education because the teachers that I was interacting with in the education department were just some of the most amazing educators and human beings. And even though I didn't plan on teaching long term, I wanted to to learn more from them and to kind of benefit from their wisdom. And so I pursued a degree in elementary education. And then when I graduated from Graceland in 2015, I taught fourth grade for two years. To that job, I knew that I wasn't going to want to teach for the rest of my life, but I did want to solidify the education that I had, you know, worked on over the past four years. And so I did that by spending some time in the classroom. When I came kind of to the halfway point of my second year of teaching, I started to look at alternatives and think about what else I might like to pursue. Um, And at that point, because of some of the uh, social and political things happening in the United States, I decided to pursue a graduate degree in social work. And that really felt like it was meant to be because as I was, you know, preparing to apply for the social work program and reading through the social work code of ethics, I began to notice very obvious overlaps between their code of ethics and community of Christ enduring principles. So things like worth of all persons was um, a, a predominant element of social work. And it was a way uh, that it, it allowed me to live out my faith as I pursued furthering my education. So as you pursued your master's degree, did you work during that time as well? Uh, I no longer was teaching. I, I After the two years, I um, went back to graduate school full time, but I was also doing things like substitute teaching and uh, tutoring at a, a place that serves um, children in the, the foster care system. So I was to an extent working, but a lot of the time in a social work graduate program is spent doing a practicum. And so in addition to the classwork and and the different assignments associated with that, I was also um, doing practicum work quite a bit of the time. Yeah, that takes up a lot of that type of degree program. My uh, daughter is in 
just finishing up in uh, counseling master's work yeah. and this whole last year, it's been tons and tons of practicum clinical mm-hmm. work of that nature. Okay. So that takes you, gosh, 18, 19, 20, 18, 19. Is that up? To, when did you graduate with your master's? Yeah. 2019, May of 2019. So tell us what brought you to working full-time with Community of Christ as an ordained minister. Yeah, so when I finished my social work master's, I didn't know exactly what career I wanted to pursue. And I, I won't get into too many details here because it would probably just bore listeners, but when it comes to social work, a lot of people with that degree will work in a clinical setting. They'll do counseling and, and that kind of thing, which is referred to as micro social work because you're working one-on-one with individuals. But I was really interested uh, in something social work, which meant that I focused on the systems and trying to fix the problems in our society that we're creating unjust and, and unequitable conditions for people. The problem with that is that the people who work in the macro sphere uh, don't realize how valuable a social work background can be in a lot of those positions. And so um, it's really difficult to kind of find places for social workers uh, to to live out some of that macro social work uh, education that they pursued. And so when I was coming up to graduation, I had no idea what I wanted to do and what jobs I wanted to be looking for. Um, I was just kind of applying randomly, but also kind of keeping an eye on in community of Christ. At the time when I was graduating, uh, even in my undergrad, there weren't a lot of opportunities to work for community of Christ. I just always kind of kept an eye on those things without really anticipating um, that there would be opportunity in that in that realm. But then a certain Robin Linkhart reached out to me about the possibility of applying for a position in Utah. And so I filled out the application and went through the interview process. And by that September, I was getting ready to move to Utah. So two days drive away from where I'd grown up living the furthest I'd ever lived from my parents. Um, but I decided to to take the leap and pursue that And once I was out in Utah, I had the wonderful opportunity to work with and learn from other amazing ministers who'd been doing this work longer than I had. And I also got to engage um, with different people in relationship, other people's faith journeys. And so that was really wonderful. Unfortunately, about six months into my time in Utah, the pandemic hit and kind of, as as you all know, changed the world as we know it. And so at that point, I came back to Missouri and was working remotely, still doing the same job in Utah, um, but doing so from behind a computer screen rather than in person. And o- over the course of that time, I was asked if I'd be willing to move, transfer, and, and take up a different role in Washington, D.C., And I agreed to do that. And I I now work as an invitation minister in the Chesapeake Bay Mission Center out on the East Coast. And you're also um, a mission center president still, is that correct? That is correct. I'm a a co-mission center president in that area as well. I wear a couple different hats in my role as an invitation minister. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to back up just a minute because as we go into ministry, I think it would be helpful to kind of trace 
through your life uh, when you first became an ordained minister in the various priesthood offices that you've served in? Yeah, sure. So when I went to Graceland, I, I was a freshman at Graceland, and we had a new campus minister at the time. It was Matt Frizzell, who I I met briefly before when I was younger, uh, but I was getting reacquainted with him at Graceland University. And so kind of early on in, in that process um, of getting to know him a bit better, he extended a call to me and a few other students at Graceland. And so uh, he called me to the office of priest at that time. So I, I was, you know, a freshman at Graceland when that call was extended. And I have to tell you, you know, priests are family ministers. And so kind of struggled with what that meant for a college student. But I'm really, really grateful for that call and for um, kind of the opportunity to wrestle with it because it helped me realize uh, that family ministry doesn't just have to take place in the traditional understanding of family. Uh, and so soon I, I realized I was able to kind of live out that ministry to the women who lived on my hall at Grayson University. We were a family uh, and I was able to to live out the ministry of a priest in that setting. I continued on as a priest until uh, probably my first I don't remember exactly when it was, um, but at that point I was called by the leadership in my congregation uh, back at home in Missouri to the office of elder, and I uh, served briefly in the, the role of elder before I was called to be a 70 in Community of Christ. And you actually had already um, received your call to 70 when you moved out to Utah, I believe. I believe. And yes. you flew back home I did. for your ordination. I did. So you, you're launched into a full-time ministry as a career, just as you're taking on the priesthood office of 70, which is very focused on mission and outreach and invitation and hospitality and sharing the peace of Jesus Christ with folks. And in in Utah, you were in the thick of that, walking with people and seeing how their uh, experience and community of Christ was opening them to new ways of experiencing the Holy Spirit in ways that were transforming and healing. Can you tell us a little bit about that ministry before you went into the pandemic? Yeah, yeah. So what was wonderful about that ministry and that role was that I had the opportunity to listen to people and to to benefit from their willingness to vulnerably share their experiences. Um, the, a lot of them were in the midst of some pretty difficult faith transitions uh, and some you know, really painful things had happened as a result of that. And they were having to ask some really difficult questions. But in the midst of that, they were willing to let me walk beside them, which I, you know, I think is really brave of them and is something that I'm really grateful for. And so um, in that role, I, I got to listen to stories and kind of offer opportunity for new ways of encountering God and experiencing the divine. 
And so, you know, you mentioned that I just begun my ministry as a 70 at that time. And and I don't think that I'd really taken the opportunity to reflect back on it um, until I just heard you kind of rephrasing the ministry of 70. And I think that it really was a great place to live out that ministry because, um, you know, there opportunity to extend hospitality in various ways, whether it was in individual relationships um, and and engaging with people on a one-on-one basis, being hospitable in that sense, or whether it was, you know, the whole congregation practicing hospitality together as we opened our doors for any person who might stop by that week um, with with different needs and, and different things weighing on their hearts. And so it was a great place to practice hospitality and and to learn more about it. Uh, But it was also a really good place to explore Christ's peace and offer Christ's peace to other people and to recognize the many dimensions of Christ's peace. I was able to kind of witness that peace take shape in people's lives as something new in community of Christ and kind of sought uh, a new spiritual home Uh, that brought them peace that they had not been experiencing before. All right. So this last world conference, uh, 2023, just a few months ago, really, uh, you were set apart as a president of 70. We would love to hear your experience of that call, how how it took place. uh, If you had any sense of, God inviting you into something new before that call was extended, just anything that you're willing to share with us about this unfolding chapter of your life. Yeah. So again, this, as you mentioned, this is fairly recent. And so I, I'm not sure that I've had a good amount of, of reflection time to, to think back on it, but I'll do my best to articulate it anyway. Uh, so I, I, I have to to warn all of the listeners out there, if you ever get an email saying that there is an opportunity for ministry, just know that you're about to be asked to to, to take on a new role or to um, accept a new priesthood call. And so I received an email. Um, I believe it was Karen Peter who reached out to me uh, indicating that she had a new opportunity for ministry for me. So I knew that that there was something that uh, I was going to be asked to do, but I'll be honest, no indication or no thought that I was being called to be a president of 70. It was uh, a, a surprise to me. At the same time, even though I didn't anticipate that specific call, I will say that each time uh, a new call has come, there's been a feeling of discontent and it's it's not one that is constant or that you know takes away from my my involvement in the church or the things that I'm doing but it's just kind of this uh you know in quiet calm moments this sense of um there there being something more or, or something new coming around the bend and so I will say that uh I I had that feeling a bit before this call was extended to me. And honestly, I felt it before I was asked to move to Washington, D.C., and I felt it before I was called to be a 70. So uh, it's it's a feeling that I've had before and I'm, I'm coming to recognize more as it, as it comes. So Karen asked me to consider taking on this call, uh, and I really 
I I wasn't 100% sure that I was going to accept it. Uh, but Karen was willing to give me some time to kind of think about it and pray about it and, and engage in some spiritual practices around it. Uh, and then I, I ended up accepting the call. So I think um, not all of our listeners will be aware that your dad was actually serving as the senior president of 70 uh, when that call was presented to you, which is why Karen was calling you and not the senior president of 70 because he's your dad. Yes. <laughs> From the outside looking in, that seemed to be a very um, tender and uh, sweet, loving kind of passing of the torch. Um, how, how was that for you? Yeah. So it, it <laughs> when I was first called to 70, I remember coming downstairs because I'd been given that call while I was still living with my parents. Um, and I was given a zoom call by the apostle and another member of the council of presidents of 70 and so dad, of course, knew that I was being called to be a 70. And so I had no clue. And I came downstairs and I said, you couldn't even warn me. You didn't, you know, you didn't even tell me this was coming. And so when, when this call to be a president of 70 came, uh, it was a similar thing and, and kind of, a, a you know, a, a light joking moment while uh, underneath, you know, a, a very kind of important shared spiritual experience. Um, and it, it was, it was interesting to kind of be in that dynamic with my dad, especially as he was preparing to retire, um, and trying to balance, you know, asking him to share his experience and wisdom while also allowing him to kind of transition away from the space that he'd been in most of my life and, and trying to give him space to do that. And so, um, it's, it, it was, you know, uh, uh, an interesting situation to navigate, but one that um, will always be a special memory. And Robin, you mentioned from the outside looking in that it seemed to be a very tender moment. So the morning that I was set apart, I was set apart with two other individuals, uh, Umberto Rosario and Joey Williams. And, uh, you know, the three of us were kind of all sitting together on the front row in the temple. And uh, my dad's going through all of the different things that have to be said, you know, as, as we go through the setting apart. And then, you know, he finally gets gets done with all the stuff. He's he's held back his tears the entire service. And then at the very end, as he's welcoming us all to the council, he starts to cry and, and has to stop talking. And in that moment... Joey leaned over to me and whispered, I always knew that he loved me. And I about <laughs> <laughs> lost it on the front row laughing. <laughs> oh, that, that those tears were, uh, you know, for, for, for me as his daughter, but um, being able to laugh about it in that moment as well. Yeah. So um, tell us how this new chapter has been. You've uh, just finished up I think this is your second round of meetings because you had meetings right after World Conference, didn't you? Well, we had a day of meetings after World Conference. So this is the first time that we've really uh, engaged in, in that week-long process together as a council. Uh, and I'll be honest, I'm still learning a lot, still getting a lot of things figured out and, and figuring out specifically um, what my role on the council is and, and what unique things I have to contribute 
but it's been a really good week. Literally, we just got done a few hours ago with our meetings and, and it's been really good. We've had the opportunity to build relationship with another, with one another, um, to talk about the future of community of Christ and, and the mission of Jesus Christ and to learn from one another because we, we do come from such different contexts. And so really this past week has been a reminder to me about what it means to be a worldwide movement. I, you know, I live in Washington, D.C., which is in the United States of America. And so I, I oftentimes, you know, my focus is very uh, centered around the United States experience. And so um, being able to serve on this council is is really wonderful because I get to hear how Christ's mission is taking shape in places outside of the context that I find myself in every single day. So it's been a good experience. I'm still learning a lot. I know I have a lot to learn, um, but I'm really grateful for the the companions that I have on that journey. So we currently have seven presidents of 70. Um, tell, I'll tell you what, I'll list off the names and you can tell our listeners where that person serves. So the okay. president of 70 is Karen Peter. And Karen serves kind of on the the western part of the United States. That is Karen's field. And what is your field? I am the Central USA and Northeast USA mission fields. And our other USA president of 70s, Larry McGuire, and he has part of the U.S. and and uh, what's his international assignment? Yeah, so he has the southern U.S., and then he also works in the countries in Africa, as well as India. And then uh, John Glazer? Yeah, so John Glazer is kind of a, an interesting case because he is supporting uh, another of the oncoming presidents of 70, although that 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 role he's kind of transitioning, but he serves in Canada as well as Mexico. And Adam Wade, who is also the secretary of the council, where is he serving? Yeah, Adam lives in Australia and serves in the Asia Pacific mission field. And then we have Joey Williams. Yes, Joey just moved back during the pandemic to Independence, Missouri, but he he serves in Europe. And last but not least, Umberto Rosario, who you mentioned was set apart the same day as you. Yeah, yeah. Umberto uh, is from the Dominican Republic, and he serves in uh, the Central and Latin American mission field, I believe. Yeah. And that's such an internationally diverse uh, group of folks. Yeah. Okay, so... Let's look at some kind of some global concepts now, as far as big ideas. When you think about community of Christ, what are your hopes for the future? And how do you see God moving in the world in ways that connect with the community of Christ and God's invitation to boldly follow into the heart of God's vision for all creation? Yeah, I I think the thing that continually calls me back to community of Christ and has kept me a part of this community throughout my life is our commitment to Zion, the peaceful kingdom of God on earth. And more, more than Zion and, and peaceful 
kingdom, I really like the term shalom. I believe that we are being called to God's shalom, which is God's preferred future for all of creation. And so I think that that is what kind of on a a large scale community of Christ is being called to participate in. But I think that we are also kind of playing one instrument and an important instrument in a, a larger orchestra. And so as we move forward, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing the ways that we learn to play with the other instruments and, and, to a large extent, we've already done that. And I'm excited for us to continue doing that. And so I believe that there are others who are also about this of creating God's shalom and, um, and, and living that out in very real ways in our communities. And so as I look at the future of community of Christ, I think that that's, but I also think that we have a unique call to be peacemakers, to follow Jesus, the peaceful one. That doesn't mean that we are the only people in the world trying to build peace. But I think that um, in the the context we find ourselves, whether it be in the United States or the Dominican Republic or Australia, wherever it is, I think that we are called to model and share with others what it looks like to respond in an alternative way that leads to peace. And so to me, that's what I'm really excited for in the future of Community of Christ is is us learning new ways to people in communities who are peacemakers, who bring about reconciliation and who help us find alternative ways um, that bring us closer to God's shalom. So as you live this wholehearted uh, discipleship life in today's world filled with uncertainty and this constant changing world. Joelle, how do you nurture your relationship with God? You know, that's a a really good question. And it's one that I think I constantly wrestle with. And I almost feel like it's not so much that I'm nurturing my relationship with God, but that God in relationship with me continuously me um, and and gives me that resting place, that place to come back to. I am most grateful for the fact that in my relationship with God, there is nothing that is too big for God, too dark for God, too scary for God to handle about me. God knows me um, and loves me. And so that constant reminder is is one that continues to help me grow my relationship with God. I do think that there are some, you know, specific and intentional things that need to happen as we try to deepen that relationship with God. And so one of those is spiritual practices. I ones that are good fits for me that help me to um, connect with the divine. And and you know, I, I do a lot of work with young people. And so with young people about spiritual practices, I compare it to like the practice we do for the sports we play or, or the instruments that we play. And when we practice, when we take that intentional time to get better at something, when we're in a real situation, whether it be a concert or, or a game, it helps us be more aware and more prepared. And so for me, that's what spiritual practices are all about. They help us be more aware of God in the world and more prepared to respond to what God is calling us to in the world. And so I think those spiritual practices are really important. 
And my mission center currently also really leaning into the idea of discernment. And I'm so grateful for the congregations in that mission center who are willing to kind of learn with me as we discern together what it looks like for us to be community of Christ in the context that we find ourselves in. And so um, I'm, I'm learning more about the discernment process. And I believe that that is helping to nurture my relationship with God. And then the other thing I would say is that um, my, my relationship with God is nurtured in the ways that I'm able to learn from others relationship with God. And so, you know, we, we mentioned that I just got out of a week of, of meetings with people who I would consider mentors and friends. And so to watch the way that they nurture their relationships with God um, really helps me to do the same as I learn from them and um, do what they have modeled for me. I love the way you frame that, especially how um, God God is reaching out in relationship to you. I I love that sense of framing that God is the one who loves us first, right? Who's reaching out to us first and yeah. is there, there no matter what. Yeah. Well, well, is there anything else you'd like to share with us today? I can't think of anything specifically, but I just want to say thanks so much for inviting me to share a bit And I look to hopefully meeting with some of the listeners as I am out in the mission field over the next few months. Well, thank you for being with us today, Joelle. If you would like to hear more from Joelle, I invite you to check out the following episodes on projectzionpodcast.org. Episode 236, where Joelle talks about ministry in Utah. Episode 366, where Joelle talks about providing a Utah kids camp online during the pandemic. Episode 505, and Joelle talks about ministry in Washington, D.C. with lots of innovative approaches. And Extra Shot 68, where Joelle talks about our small group resource, Sacred Space, and writing thoughts for children. You can also visit Community of Christ YouTube channel and put Joelle White in the search bar to find sermons and talks from Joelle. And as always, a very special thanks to you, our listeners, for spending a portion of your day with us. This is your host, Robin Linkhart, and you are listening to Project Zion Podcast. Go out and make the world a better place. Take care. Bye-bye.